You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. This is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. diamond. Experience! Welcome to episode 104 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Thank you so much for making this podcast part of your day. Coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing my conversation with author G.S. Denning, author of the new book Warlock Holmes, which is an alternate take on the classic Sherlock Holmes stories. Instead of being a highly intelligent detective, he's a wizard who isn't nearly as intelligent as his original counterpart. So it's a really cool uh, and different take on the character, and I can't wait to read it. But it was really fun uh, to sit down with Gabe and discuss the book, uh, what made him want to become an author, uh, growing up, uh, being a big fan of improv comedy and talking about Whose Line Is It Anyway, one of our favorite mutual shows. And he's also a really big geek, so it was fun to discuss uh, X-Men, Star Wars, a lot of nerdy talk, and it's one of my favorite interviews that I've done in a long time because it's literally just like a conversation between two friends. The only thing missing were two cups of coffee, in my opinion. So hopefully you guys enjoy this really fun interview. But before we get to that, let me tell you about my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. The Unicorn Wranglers are a local indie rock band based right here in Pensacola, Florida. And they are very important to this show because they supply the theme music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode. And the song you heard today is Twin Peaks from their album Murder Mystery Night, which is available now on iTunes and Spotify along with their EP Atomics. So definitely go on iTunes and Spotify to check out all of their music. You can also follow them on social media. They're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wranglers. And finally, be sure to check out their website, theunicornwranglers.com. And without further ado, here is my conversation with G.S. Denning. Sitting here with my very special guest this week, author of the new book, Warlock Holmes, Mr. G.S. Dennings. How are you tonight, sir? Hi, I'm, I'm really good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we were talking uh, right before we started. Uh, I owe you a huge thanks, actually, because you sent me a copy of the book. And um, I know your wife reached out asking if uh, you could come on the show to plug your book, and it sounded like a, a really neat concept. So I did want to start off by saying uh, thank you very much for sending the book, and I, I very much look forward to reading it. I'm good. I hope you like it. I hope everybody likes it. Now, the book is called uh, Warlock Holmes. Uh, what exactly is the book about? Because the title, you know, I think of Sherlock Holmes, but obviously there's got to be some type of twist to it. What exactly is the book about? Uh, it's a comic send-off of the Sherlock Holmes series. Um, in that book, I take the first six chronological Holmes stories and retell them. Um, he's just riddled with demons and a bit of an idiot. And uh, it starts with Watson coming back from the war, 
poor, wounded, destitute, and someone telling him, hey, look, I know a guy you can live with really cheap, takes Watson about two days to realize his, his new roommate's really weird and, uh, and lying to him and just very magical. And, uh, and from there on out, it's just a farce of the original stories where, you know, uh, the original answers are in there, usually as things Watson comes up with, but the actual answer usually is, no, nah, it's demons again. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a, a really cool concept, and as I said, you know, I'm very much looking forward to reading it. But what gave you the idea to write a book like this? Like, were you a, a Sherlock Holmes fan growing up, and you just wanted to do something with like a twist on it? Like, how did you come up with the idea for it? It was it was kind of funny. I was actually in college in a um, in a writing group, and uh, one of the girls had written this real Mary Sue uh, protagonist in a fantasy. He could do everything. He was the most handsome. He was the best wizard and the best fighter and a rock star at night. And, you know, and um, we were encouraging her to give him some flaws to sort of balance him out. And I mentioned Holmes as a character who had, you know, who could do things no other person could do, but who had a lot of flaws to balance it out. And she said, well, that wouldn't work in fantasy. How would you even do Holmes in fantasy? And, um, and on the way home, I was driving home, and I just started laughing because I realized I just do Holmes. He, everyone thought he was magical anyway. I just, I just let him be. And then I, I came up with the pun Warlock Holmes, which somehow has been sitting around basically unused for a hundred years. And um, yeah, I started writing it that night. Never been used in all of Sherlock Holmes' creation. You know, it's it's so fun. I, I and I, I wrote this in 2012. Um, and since there's actually been another, I got China a little bit. Another book with my same title came out like after we announced, but before I published. And uh, and um, there was also like a couple anime drawings that came out. But at the time, there was just surprisingly nothing. I went home and googled and googled it and went, really nobody? Well then, I'm writing it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Now now, are are you a big Sherlock Holmes fan? You know, it's funny. I. Uh, like so many Americans, I really like the character. I really like the idea of Holmes, but I'll confess, I hadn't read. Um, I hadn't. I think I'd read one of the original stories. Really, I'd read uh, *Study in Scarlet*, the first one, and um, so I reread it and then started parodying it. And when that book was bought, I had only read the stories that were in it and Baskervilles, and I, I had a call with Titan with Titan publishing and um, you know, they wanted to buy it as a series and they said, you know, we, we want three books and we want an option on the fourth. And of course, you know, you've got a vision for all of it, right? You know, you know where to go with the whole canon. And I, and I said, Oh yeah, of course. And then, you know, hopped in my car and screamed all the way to Barnes and Noble bought, <laughs> bought <laughs> the complete works and, and sat down and started reading. Um, he's a, he's a remarkably lovable character and, and, really important but i'll confess um you know my my chops with the original were low until i really just jumped into the sherlockian world with both feet <laughs> no i i can relate to that like i've always had this fascination with the character as well i had never really read any of the old um any of the old books or the original books uh, my biggest, I guess, experience with him is the new BBC show yeah. with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, which is awesome. I, I suggest anyone who remotely likes Sherlock Holmes to definitely watch it. H have you seen it? 
Oh, I love it. It's the you know what's funny is my fate is now tied to that man because he has also agreed to play Doctor Strange. So if you watch the two of them in the same room and squint, yeah, it's Warlock Holmes. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, the same. I'm the that. same way with that trailer. I know. We've actually we've got a, a couple people helping with the book Warlock's Army, and yeah, they've actually started going out and uh, and hashtagging pictures of him as Doctor Strange, Warlock Holmes. Um, hey, whatever works, right? Exactly. I've got a friend who who made a meme, and in the first one, it's it's Hagrid going, "You're a wizard, Sherlock," and then the second, <laughs> it's him strange. Hashtag Warlock Holmes. Uh, that's fantastic. You're a wizard, <laughs> Sherlock. I'm I'm gonna have to steal that one at some point. Oh, please tell the whole internet. Oh, definitely. So, uh, kind of backtracking a little bit, um, tell me a little bit about yourself personally. Like, where where are you from, or like, where did you grow up? Seattle, uh, born and bred. I was uh, and geek, born and bred. You know, taught myself to read at seven, so I could play D and D, and you know, taught myself math, and been steeped in it ever since. And and um, at a fairly young age, I really came to love improv comedy. I was watching Whose Line Is It Anyway, and uh. got involved with Seattle theater sports. Just the best stuff ever. And and um, I did that for about fifteen years. I was uh, Seattle theater sports, Orlando theater sports, um, Jet City Theater in Seattle, and a whole bunch of others. And when I finally moved down to Vegas and lost all my theaters, I just started writing it down instead. Uh, turns out it's a super easy transition from making up stories in front of people to making up stories on on your computer. Yeah, exactly. Being a huge Whose Line Is It Anyway fan, because I, I, I am as well, yeah. I, I've got to ask, who is your favorite performer uh, on that show? I'm going to be really unoriginal and say Ryan Stiles. Ryan's um, very good. He is. And you know what? He actually, he's uh, up in Washington in a small college town near the Canadian border um, Bellingham, and we'd go up occasionally and do shows with him, and he's he's like exactly who you want him to be. He's a really nice guy. Uh, he's also the only famous guy in a college town, and he's I think six foot five, so he really can't hide from anyone. And yeah, just uh, like not so rich and famous that he doesn't have to go buy groceries every day. He does, but rich and famous enough that he gets you know mobbed every time he tries to buy groceries. So right, well, you know. people. People don't really mention it, but that show was really big, especially okay. in like the early 2000s when it was. I mean, it, it came to ABC before that, but it, it really kind of hit its stride in the early 2000s when they started having like the the guest stars, like the the Richard Simmons episode. Yeah, they did. <laughs> that is the only time, like in the middle of dinner, that I have had to stop eating and I have been on the floor crying. <laughs> That's how funny that show is. And people kind of look at me weird when I say that's one of, if not my all-time favorite shows. But it's just so brilliant to watch because they make it look so easy. Well, you know, in a sense, it is easy. I mean, you and I are having a conversation right now. Nobody wrote it out for us. We're, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and, and once you learn the elements of a story, it's um, it's not hard. I, I used I used to teach improv quite a bit, and I'd tell the people who were really worried walking in, I can define the story in one sentence. If you and I walk on the stage together and I say, Derek, give it up. You're never going to be a fighter pilot with those two hook hands. Well, then who's the protagonist? It's you. And what are you trying to do? Be a fighter pilot. And when is this story over? Well, when you either make it or finally unequivocally fail, 
and we learn whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And that's it. From from one sentence, you can really tell where a story's going. And if you're used to making up stories, everyone on that stage knows basically what to do. And uh, so it's it's not as hard as it looks, and it is a lot of fun. Oh, I, I can only imagine. I mean, that's from watching it, and then I've seen improv comedy live. You can tell they're just having a blast doing it because we we have like a little. Uh, improv uh show here in in pensacola called improbable cause they do like i know of them actually because i was in sac theater in orlando (laughs) really yeah oh that's awesome yeah they perform here i think uh once a month at a like a local theater here and they're they're really good and they you can tell they have a a blast doing it and that makes the audience enjoy it more when they tell they can tell that a performer is having a blast they have a blast too yeah, TV is lots of fun, but you're not right there in the room with the people, you know, and and um, it still makes such a difference. It's so fun to watch. It's so fun to do, and you're all sort of in it together. It's Yeah, it's very nice. Oh, absolutely. You said you were a geek growing up, and you had mentioned math. Um, what were some of your other interests growing up? Because, I mean, you mentioned Doctor Strange, so were you like a, a big Marvel or DC guy? Growing up? Um, you know what's funny is I was poor, so I wasn't a big anything. You know, I didn't spend much much money on stuff. But now I'm thankful. Um, yeah, I was I was a Marvel guy, like X Men. Every every month, X Men got my money. You know, and um, and so did like spinoffs, New Mutants and stuff. That's how old I am. Uh, and things uh, like D and D. You know, like my treasured possessions were my player's handbook, my dungeon master's guide, my monster manual. And I didn't buy every, you know, new thing that came out. But in a sense, now I'm really happy for that because I made it up. You know, if I wanted a new module, if I wanted a new setting, I made one. And um, in a sense, that's the wonder of D&D is that it's just rules for endless creation, you know. And and, uh, I am now quite pleased that poverty forced me down that track. And that's, uh, I've never actually played Dungeons and Dragons. My girlfriend's really into it. She has a group that she, you know, gets together with once a month or so and they play Dungeons and Dragons. So, uh, she, she says the exact same thing. She says it, it's, you get so much freedom to create yeah. your own story and that it, she loves it. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people play it as this thing where you, you kick open the door, you kill the next monster, you take his treasure, you move on to the next door. If you're going to play it like that, Play a video game. There's so many of them. They do it so well. But when you get someone who's a really good story crafter, and it's like reading your very favorite novel or watching your very favorite TV show, and you get to be in it. You get to decide what one of the people does. You know, um, that's when it's just it's wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I've never played it, but everyone I know that has, they say that exact same thing yeah oh uh, you gotta get up to vegas we'll fix you <laughs> i'll keep that in mind um kind of going back to to x-men um yeah. who who are some of your favorites <laughs> i think uh i think every male my age who encountered wolverine when they were 11 <laughs> has to say that oh yeah you know um because he was he was in a sense who you wanted yeah you, know, you know you're at that age, you got so much testosterone in you. You're so mad at the world, and that's exactly who you want to be. This just unstoppable force of 
rage and retribution, you know. But there's uh, there's so much to like in those books. I mean, even as you as as you age, you know, you realize how much of that is a metaphor for just being different, you know, for 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 being gay or for being or even just for being a geek, you know, in an age where jocks were dominant and and I, I got scars on my knuckles and scars on my face from fighting jocks for my other geeks and um you know in a sense the x-men really they just talked about being in exile in the society that you were born into which by the way warlock holmes is really about also watson chooses to side with a sorcerer an ogre and a vampire you know, rather than the Victorian English society, which he should be highly placed in. He is a doctor, but right. he just doesn't, you know, the society doesn't need him, doesn't love him. And Warlock and Grogson and Lestrade do. So it's all about kind of finding your place and where where you feel the most comfortable and the most welcome. Yeah, yeah. He, he stumbles into it because he's destitute. But by the time he sort of gets his feet back under him again, he realizes those are his people now, and he's not leaving. Right, and I think that's uh, kind of going back to the X-Men, that's why they appeal so much to people is because they represent people who are different or perceived to be different by society. And they have all these different abilities, and I, I'll i say like Fox doesn't have the greatest track record of movies, like Daredevil wasn't great. No. Fantastic Four was not great, especially the new one. No, it, it especially was not. No, it, I I tell people that to me was worse than like Batman and Robin, and they're like, "There's no, there's no way that's true." And I said, "Watch it and see if you disagree with me after that, because that uh, that's an hour and a half I will never get back." It is a stinker. I, I remember actually walking out of the um, the older one. And I was poor, and I'd gone to see it in college, and I walked out of it just going, "Man, yeah, exactly." That's like. Money and an hour and a half I will never get back. And I walked into Suzlo Library on the UW campus and went, oh, and look, here is the knowledge of the ages, just free. All I have to do is sit down and read it. Exactly. But I do think they have done a good job with the X-Men for the most part. I love Brian Singer's stuff. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. And, and uh, I almost cringed when, as much as I loved X-Men, when, when the movie was announced, I almost cringed because I'm like, man, they're going to... They're going to do it wrong, and everyone's going to make fun of me. you know. And, and there's going to be a crappy version of something I really love out there in the world. And I was so happy with X1 and X2. I was just ec- ecstatic. Yeah, I, I say for the most part because X3 was really bad. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it, it definitely comes and goes. And even Days of Future Past, I mean, it's one of those ones where it's got – Great ideas and great scenes, but it doesn't come together as strongly as some of the others did. And, you know, we're geeks. I mean, we can bitch about all the stuff we love most. Oh, exactly. But, and, but um, yeah, to me, X1 and X2 are still still hold the crown. And X-Men was really, I mean, that along with Blade was what really got the comic book movies going. Because I think it was 2000 when the first X-Men came out. And I think Blade came out right before that. And those really kind of introduce the world to say hey these these can be movies and they can be good yeah yeah and now you know i mean when i like i said i'm you know i was born in 75 i'm i'm old now and growing up if you were a geek you were lonely there were not many of us and and every five years you got a movie and guess what it was probably crap 
And uh, you know, Star Wars, of course, is the exception. Um, but now, I mean, when was the last time you saw a big grossing sports movie? You know, it's true. We're we're ruling this now, and it's. Um, I'm very thankful to have been along for this ride to watch it turn from, you know, back when cons were all white males with like two very hunted girls standing in the back of the room. And, and now it's, um, you know, everybody and it, you know, all ages, all colors, all genders, all preferences. It's geek is a big, big thing that lots of people love. And I'm, I've been very happy to watch that come to pass. Geeks rule the world now. I know, and yeah, I uh, one of the best things. And let me tell you, for all your, if you've got listeners who are writing books, one of the very best things about the agonizing process of getting a book out there is realizing it's geek food now. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> there will be people who who love it, like I love, you know, Terry Pratchett, and and um, it's a it's a very good feeling when you get those first couple people who say like this is great I can't wait you know and, and you're sitting there on the other end of the keyboard going I can't either I'll work faster. <laughs> uh, kind of transitioning into uh, writing, what was it that made you decide, hey, I'm going to become an author? Um, I'm gonna sound uh, well, I guess maybe big-headed for a little bit, but I was um. So I got into improv and I did really well and, you know, people sort of liked me and I, I had a lot of people, you know, wondering why I wasn't famous. And and by the way, it was an era where lots of people were getting famous out of improv. Like um, Joel McHale on Community was one of my teachers, you know, and, and um, I mean, Tina Fey's from there and Andy Richter and Conan and uh, Colbert and, you know, all sorts of these people. And um, the, the comedy industry was really hungry for what we had and I was sort of one of the one of the bright spots in my little pond and and uh I was just I had no motivation <laughs> to, to, to try and make it and um I knew for a long time I'm like you know at some point I'm gonna need to just sit down and write some of this stuff down and so that it endures rather than every night making up six stories that just float off into the ether and are gone forever and and uh I moved to Vegas to uh to start a medical career i'm an i'm an mri tech and um and be a responsible grown-up but at the same time i knew like if i'm losing my theaters this is it we're finally going to sit down and write this and i did that's fantastic i mean that's a good example of just you know saying you're gonna do what you want to do and you just go out and do it i i admire people that that can do that well, thank you. You know, what's funny is um, I was uh, the the one that I'm not getting off the ground is a podcast. So some of that admiration right back at you. <laughs> no, it's it, it can be a bit of an undertaking, but it, it, it's uh, it's been a great way to you know meet new people because uh, I, I do I do two different podcasts. I do this one and I do one with uh, two friends of mine who I've been friends with since high school. And we have, you know, the same nerdy interests where all three of us are big Star Wars fans, big Marvel and DC fans. So we'll just get together every week and we'll talk about the nerd and pop culture news because it's what we talk about anyway. So we were like, <laughs> why don't why don't we just record it? So it's literally like we're just in a room talking like normal, but we're talking in front of microphones. <laughs> yeah, I actually that's my favorite part about listening to that kind of podcast. I, I'm down here without my geek friends. And uh, yeah, so I'll just borrow yours. I, 
<laughs> it it really does feel like just sitting there listening to your friend's jaw about the stuff you love. You, I, I dig it. If you ever want to check it out, uh, it, it's called the Nerd Cave Podcast. And it oh, comes, I am aware, sir. And it comes out every uh, every Tuesday. It's a little little cheap plug that that I'm giving as well. <laughs> but it's not a cheap plug. It's needed. I mean, come on. Sometimes sometimes geeks still get lonely, and that is the fix in a bottle right there. That is true. That is true. Because like it's it's also kind of a a good outlet when you can talk about things like that. Because I I work for a minor league baseball team, and for the most part, no one there is. <laughs> a, a geek or like most of them have never seen a star wars movie oh wow so i know i was like that it, it just blew my mind because it, when it's something you grow up with and you hear somebody is like oh i've never seen a star wars or i've never watched you know a spider-man film or something like that you're just like what what did you do when you were yeah, a kid? Yeah, I know. It's like, what? This? Oh, if only I had my tranquilizer gun on me right now. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what? Snap you... into my trunk, you wake up in the theater, and we're done. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, what did you do? Something silly, like go out and play sports or something? <laughs> right. Why well, not? I mean, I know you're a big sports fan, so you're actually you're one of those rare ones on both sides of the aisle. Less rare now, I guess, but... Um... That that is true, yeah. I I try to have like a a wide variety of interests because I I like to think I'm the type of person that can discuss most things with anybody. Like I I do watch some sports and but for the most part, I mean I'm I'm a geek at heart, so I yeah. I could you know talk about Star Wars, video games, that stuff all day. So ha- having the podcast is is a good outlet uh, for <laughs> something like that. But if you ever do start a podcast, definitely. Uh, let me know and I can help you out in any way I can. Thanks. Yeah, we we have a couple. I have one friend who wants to start one called Why Aren't I Famous and just get really good, but you know, unknown musicians and comedians and writers and you know something. There's tons. There's tons of them. Um, you know, and and just basically start putting them up and saying, okay, people, all right, America, like, isn't this great? How come nobody's heard of them? Um. And then I had another one. I have a friend who's a fellow writer who's really into fairy tales who wanted to do one just about how much of our geek culture we lift straight out of grim, you know, and, and all these old stories and how they changed um, over the, you know, centuries. And that, oh, it's fascinating. Um, yeah, he's he's a geeky, geeky man. And I will be the I will be the less geeky guy <laughs> on the couch. But Yeah. It sounds like it'll be so much fun. Uh, it definitely sounds like it'd be fun to listen to. Here's hoping. Uh, yeah, I, I sort of promised him that once I got, uh, you know, hired and established, uh, scanning people with my big powerful magnet, and once the book was out there and I had a minute to think, we'd, we'd start putting some stuff in the can. So, heck, I might be calling you for advice. Oh, definitely. And it, it, yeah, if, definitely if you get started with it, uh, I'll definitely check it out and give it a nice plug. Oh, woohoo. Thank you. Now, I did want to ask you this about uh, about your book, because a lot of people have been, you know, posting it on Facebook and social media saying, oh, I got my copy of Warlock Holmes in the mail. And I, I even did it today whenever I got my copy. But oh, how is how is that felt seeing something like that? Because that's got to feel like really invigorating. It oh, let me tell you, it is so good. And, and a lot of those people are people who I you know, knew and loved 20 years ago and sometimes haven't seen since. And um, it, it it feels great. I mean, there's 
Um, yeah, <laughs> there's those moments where you where you sit down and you just look at them and go, I have never wasted a kind word or a joke. You know, all those all those people who you know who I was ever nice to and who were nice to me are still being really great to me. And 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 all the people who like think I'm funny because of jokes that I forgot 15 years ago. No, they're coming back now and they're, they're waving my book to the world and saying, guys, seriously, he'll make you laugh. And, um, yeah, the feeling of gratitude is tremendous, you know? Um, and and by the way, okay, you're a star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. So imagine you're, you're like a crazy, crazy diehard. Can't stop talking about it. Star Wars fan. And now imagine that there is no other Star Wars fan in the world anywhere. That's what it's like to write a book. Wow. Yeah, it's four years of just no one you can you can talk to. <laughs> I I can I can imagine. So it, so it took you four years to write the book. No, you know it's um no. Okay. Went, in fact, the first story on there, the first novella, took me a month. Okay. Um, but. I went traditional publishing. Um, you know, I, I went the route where I got an agent, like a real agent, a Manhattan agent, Jabberwocky, you know, um, most famous probably for uh, Brandon Sanderson and Charlene Harris. Um, and, you know, they they work slow. They're, they want to be sure about you and sure about that book before they take you on. And then I went traditional publishing. It's out from Titan uh, and distributed by Penguin Random House. And, and um it's uh, you know this <laughs> this industry hit its stride in the 1880s and that's the stride it's at still. It is a slow beast. I gotcha. Uh, yeah, no, no, but I, I can I can time, understand that though. Yeah, and there's so much that they have done for me that I could never have done myself. Um, I'm you know I'm not a great advertiser. I'm I'm not an editor. I'm certainly not the kind of guy who schmoozes audiobook companies and you know gets them to write a contract with me. I wouldn't have known where to start. And so if, if this had been self-pub, there there would be a lot of things that I would be doing very poorly right now. Uh, it's it's uh, all and good. Fortunately, they've agreed to help me do it well. <laughs> oh, good, good. Uh, um, whenever we were setting up the interview, um, I found out that this was your first book uh, in a three-book series. Yeah. Um, how far are you into uh, the second one, and do you have like an estimated time as to when it will be out? Oh, I know exactly. Um, you know, what's funny is the time it's going to be out, <laughs> you know, like you don't tell them, they tell you. It, it is – so the first one was out 5-17-16. The second one will be out 5-16-17 just for all of us you know, dyslexic geeks. Um, and the third one will be out – same deal. It will be out like – 364 days after the second book. Uh, so my job is hurry up and get it done. The second one's in the can. Um, I shouldn't say that. The second one has a what's called a beta draft. So it's out now to uh, good friends and Sherlockians who are reading it and telling me, no, 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 this needs to change or I'll burn your house. Uh, and then it goes to my editor who says the same things. And... <laughs> And then it finally comes out about a year from now. Um, the third one, I'm starting. And I'm not supposed to do spoilers, but I'll tell you that the second one second one is going to be called either Hellhound of the Baskervilles or the Battle of Baskerville Hall. And it's going to um, be a continuation, of course, but it's also going to have sort of an origin story. You're going to find out 
how Warlock, you know, got his powers and how things, you know, where things really stand. And then the the third book is is going to be largely about Moriarty, him coming back to really start uh, ending humanity, undermining our world, basically trading all of our mortalities for his immortality. That sounds awesome because I I love Moriarty, so definitely be looking forward to that. Moriarty, it's so funny now. You know, you were asking about um, you know loving the original Holmes. Moriarty is in one story mm-hmm. of the 60 original Holmes stories. Uh, Irene Adler is in one. you know. But now, for us geek Holmes lovers, they are so important. They, uh, you know, as a writer, you cannot ignore them. They, they are huge, and they better, be in, they better be in more than one story, pal, or you can just hit the door, you know, it's... Exactly, and that that should tell you the impact that they've had. If they've only if they were only in one of the original stories out of sixty, that that alone says how meaningful they were. Oh, and yeah, what's uh, so Moriarty especially? One day, about halfway through the Holmes canon, Holmes shows up at Watson's house and says, "By the way, you didn't know this. I've always had an arch enemy," and. I mean, it's, it's really comically jarring, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it didn't matter. People loved Moriarty so much, they were willing to go, yeah, okay, welcome to the party. And uh, and then that's the story where Holmes dies, you know, mm-hmm. at, at Moriarty's hand, you know. And, um, yeah, Doyle only brought him back because he wanted more money for cocaine and to travel the world telling everybody that fairies were real. So, um. So yeah, it's from from the get go. Moriarty has been a character who got shoehorned in, but who we all want more of. Absolutely, uh, yeah. absolutely. A um, couple more questions. Um, sure. What is one piece of advice you could give to someone who wants to become an author? Oh man, um, yeah. If you want to do it the way that I did it, be an improviser a lot first and actually that is a great way to learn to do it uh other really good pieces of advice are right you gotta you know everyone's got that novel they want to do everyone's got that dd campaign they've been playing for 20 years and they want it to be a book but you got to be willing to write words you're going to throw away you got to be willing to do those million practice words and i don't care if they're spoken on stage or if they're written down but you got to just not be afraid to suck start putting words on the page or words out there in the world and you got to look at them honestly yourself and have people who will look at them honestly for you. You got to be willing to hear, well, this is just rotten. And when it is rotten, you got to be willing to throw it away and write something else. And if you just keep doing that enough, you will get to the point where you're turning out stuff that's really not rotten. Uh, you know, we're steeped in stories, especially as geeks. We love them. We suck them up as fast as we can. They're, we're around them 24-7. You know how to craft a story by now. It's really in you. When you when you listen to one, when you hear one, when you read one, when you watch one that's bad, like those Fantastic Four movies, you know it in an instant. And and the more we complain about them and you know say what we love and say what we hate, well, frankly, we're just teaching ourselves to write. You know, we're we're teaching ourselves to craft one that will satisfy us and our fellow geeks. And um, yeah, the, there gets when, when I wrote Holmes. I was terrified by the amount of feedback I wasn't getting, even from my 
from my editor, my professional editor, you know, who just went, yeah, this is great. And I'm like, well, no, you know, like this is my first rodeo. Help me fix it. You know, and, and um, yeah, you know, you, you sort of don't realize, but all these years of, of crafting and of listening and of, you know, taking all that media in, they build you into someone who can make that media. So very good advice. Yeah. Very, very, you, you, can't... Oh, and then, you know, the other thing, podcasts, uh, writing excuses. Um, I should be writing, um, get out and find local writers groups and stuff like that. It's a lonely thing to do. And it really helps to not feel so lonely to hear, you know, you're not just shouting in the void. Sometimes it talks back to you and gives you useful advice that, that yeah, do that. Like that's very, very good advice. You can't be afraid of failure. No, you can't. Um, you know, I'm like this book that I just put out, uh, the response has been really good so far, and I'm very grateful for that. I know the flame is coming. I know that the Sherlockians will say, this isn't my Sherlock. And, you know, the people who want it to be Jeremy Brett will moan that it's not Jeremy Brett. And the people who want it to be, you know, Robert Downey Jr. are going to moan that it's not him. And the, the cumber bitches will probably be right after me, <laughs> even though I now technically am one. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, you got to know that not everyone's going to be pleased, but you know, a lot of people will, and and you will, and yeah, you know, you're going to take it on the chin, but you're also going to have a lot of love, and that's just the way these things go. Definitely. Um, two more questions. Sure. We've kind of mentioned it a little bit, but since we've kind of acknowledged that we're both Star Wars fans, yeah, I have to ask, what were your thoughts on The Force Awakens? Um, You know what's funny is... I loved it, <laughs> but the but the guy who's been writing and listening to writers and reading, you know, about narrative structure for the longest time, you know, part of me goes, oh, okay, so we're gonna have Princess Leia crucial information hidden in a robot, you know, that needs to be reclaimed by someone who is an awakening Jedi, who's you know, like a, there's a lot that feels familiar, right? Um, but it really, you know, it had the spirit of the originals to it. It, it had, you know, for me, it ended a, God, what is it now, twenty-five year drought, more than that. I mean, um, and it, you know, it felt good. It felt crafted by people who really loved what geeks love about Star Wars, and um, and it also, you know, they did something that I've given foreign writers, and also Josh Sweden, a lot of credit for. They killed a beloved character. Oh, spoiler alert! Sorry. Oh, uh, it's, it's it's been out for five months. So I mean, if okay, you, good. Yeah. If you, if you if you didn't know it by now, then right, you, you right. kind of deserve to have it spoiled. And you probably and you probably zoned out when the question got asked anyway. Yeah, but but I love that. You know, um, there are so many so many books and movies where you know we're asked to believe that there's a threat to the characters. Like, look out. This is dangerous. You could die. But the fact is, no, you're not going to. There's no real threat to these characters ever. Um, it's one of the things I like best about Game of Thrones, especially the books. He says, you know, very early in that book, you know, Stark, you can't go to this city. It is not a city for honest men. This is where honest men die. Yeah, well, guess what? He wasn't lying. He proves to us, no, I will. I will kill a character. You know, a character who you love and who I love. 
out because this needs to be a world with real danger in it and real consequence. And uh, it was nice to see that come in. I, Star Wars has actually never had a terrible Darth of that. Oh, forgive the pun. Yeah, but um, but a lot of other stories have. And it was it was nice to see in a sense that no one is sacred and that this story, there will be loss in this story. Because uh, loss is an, an emotion that we powerfully feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it hurts us, but it also makes us love the thing more. <laughs> That's true. It, it was one of those things like there were rumors going around that he was going to die. Yeah. But when he sees, you know, Kylo Ren on the bridge and as soon as he starts walking, I'm like, holy crap, they're actually going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and like I could feel my heart just start beating faster and faster and faster. And then when it happened, I was just like, oh, my God, they actually did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was born in 75 I saw the re-release of Star Wars in 78. I was three. One of my earliest memories in life is the Death Star exploding and the ticket taker who was dressed as Darth Vader. I have loved Han Solo for as long as I can remember loving anyone or anything. At the same time, like, I wasn't sorry to see his story go that way. Um, Because in a sense, it invests me more in a character that I hadn't had too much investment in. Kylo Ren, you know, and and uh, like, okay, well, if he is, like, what is his story now? Is he going to be a bad guy? In a sense, he's already lost to the good guys. The nascent good guys have already beaten him down. Well, is he going to be, is his going to be a redemption story, a coming back to the light, a Vader in reverse? Because if so, he's got some stuff he's going to need to cope with now. He did impale daddy. He, he did kill his dad. Yeah. That's very true. And he... He's going to fight uh, Uncle Luke fairly soon. Oh. So, this the whole we should just change his name to Daddy Issues in Space and just <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I mean, I, but I'm very interested to see where the story goes. Like, I, I loved the Ray character. Like, she yeah, had her similarities to Luke, but she was also different enough to where it didn't feel like a like a carbon copy and then like all the new characters I'm interested in in their own way. And you know to go meta on this um you know there was there was <laughs> a never ending backlash and a never ending support to a female Jedi and and a and a black main character like for reals in the Star Wars universe. And um yeah, I remember when there was none of that, like none of it. And as a guy who went through puberty as a geek with no girls around, no, come on, welcome aboard, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can have, I, I can love a character who's who's female, no problem. Like her story's really compelling. She's like the abandonment issue that she's facing is great. I can't wait to watch this character grow into her destiny you know um and i really love the groundwork that got laid in that movie for it and um and same with finn you know talking about that daddy issues like this this is a character who's walked away from the only identity that he ever had Mm -hmm. and he needs to build a new one and i i want to watch him do it oh and by the way how about that anointment like literally i am going to cross your eyes with blood and change your vision you will see that what you're doing is wrong. You will gain a new outlook on the universe. And now, through like 
a ritual of blood anointment, your journey of change begins. I mean, it is so old myth. It's, it, you know, coming coming right back to us. I mean, this is Beowulf stuff, man. Great, bring it on. It uh, it was it was great, and I I can't wait to see what happens with the story, for sure. But uh, last question, uh, sure. do you have any uh, social media that you'd like to plug so people can keep up with your work? Yeah, you can find me. Um, so <laughs> I know it says G.S. Denning on the cover. That's because my name is either Gabe or Gabriel, which is like the worst name for just a plain old American white guy ever. It sounds better in every other language on this planet. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, aside, and then I'll get to your question. Worst day ever driving a, a van for Microsoft's health club and this guy got in. We wound up calling him the Sexican, even though he was from Colombia. Nice guy, huge, big, buff, gorgeous, wore, you know, white tank tops and gold chains and was so gorgeous it didn't look dumb. And we're driving the club, we're laughing. Really nice guy. And we get there and I and I realize, oh I have to get to know everybody. What's your name, man? And he goes, Gabriel, what is yours? You know, and, and I just have to <laughs> shrink a little in my seat and go, it's Gabe. It's Damn it! You know, it's the same as yours with all the coolness, just just ripped right out of it. Yeah, so I, so yeah, I went by GS. Um, but yeah, you can find me at Gabe Denning or Gabriel Denning on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, there is a GS Denning page, which um, actually, you know, for most people listening to this, you might like better because it's it's sort of devoid of just some of the uh, you know the BS of me and my friends in high school and what it's like scanning people in an MRI and and more about you know, Warlock Holmes and the books and what's happening and what's coming. And, you know, it, it should be probably a purer experience for people who actually like this for the book. Um, and then, of course, you can also catch me on on Titan Books, uh, Titan UK's uh, page. They have lots of, you know, news coming out. Isn't that fun? I, I co-opted English culture and then sold it back to them. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'll definitely put uh, all your social media links uh, in the episode description as well, so people can find it there. Thank you. Well, uh, it was very nice uh, getting to meet you. I, I know we've talked over you know email a couple of times, but it was good uh, talking with you. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show, and I definitely look forward to reading the book. Oh, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed it. It's been nice talking to you, because it's funny, you know, uh, listening to a podcast is knowing someone one way. It's It's nice to meet you two ways, finally. Take care, and hopefully we'll be talking again at some point in the future. My thanks again to G.S. Denning for that wonderful conversation. Be sure to follow him on social media and buy his book, Warlock Holmes, on Amazon. And don't forget, you can check out past episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook and on Twitter. My personal page is at Derek underscore Diamond, and the show is at DDE underscore podcast. And that's all I've got, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.
been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.